Hello everyone, you're listening to The Culture is Black, a quarterly podcast series dedicated to spotlighting black businesses and black creatives. This show is brought to you by Cork, the UK's leading influencer intelligence and digital trend forecasting agency. I'm Jennifer Adatoro, a culture writer and journalist. For so long, black businesses and black creatives have set the tone of wider mainstream culture. Now in 2020 and the decade ahead, we as a society are having bigger conversations about the need for equity for black talent. This podcast aims to facilitate some of these much needed conversations, all while showcasing the rising talent, the entrepreneurs and the trailblazers who deserve the spotlight. Throughout this series, I'll be your host, but I won't be doing this alone. You'll be hearing from other journalists who will be taking part in hosting the conversation. So let's get into it. This week's episode is all about fashion, and like most industries, the coronavirus pandemic has hit fashion hard. Several brands have announced large-scale job losses, others have gone out of business completely, and virtual events have replaced many in-person showcases, including September's customary fashion week season. And while for many this is highly alarming, for others it provides an opportunity to take a step back, rebuild, and seek value in where we spend our coins. An initiative successfully spearheading this movement is the monthly campaign Black Pound Day. Launched by former So Solid crew member Swiss on June 27th of this year, Black Pound Day was created as a way to help celebrate and promote Black-owned businesses. According to the initiative, if we spend just £10 a week on Black businesses, we can inject £1.9 billion into the Black community. This makes sense considering the spending power of Black British consumers is worth an estimation of £300 billion. But I digress. In support of this movement, along with the push for businesses to be more inclusive and diverse, is lifestyle blogger Natalie Lee, also known as Style Me Sunday. Interviewed by journalist Carleen Thomas-Bailey, we caught up with Natalie to discuss the emergence of blogging, fashion, and the business side of running her own brand. How have you been? Where are you? How are you surviving it all? Uh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm at home and yeah, it's been up and down really, very up and down. I think I struggled initially, then like most people you kind of acclimatise to it, don't you? I know, it's strange how much we've managed to adopt these behaviours I think as well. It's quite interesting, that human behaviour. Yeah, it really is. And now I'm almost don't, like don't want it to end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and um, we're doing okay. Oh, nice. Amazing. Okay, so I want to take it back a bit. The focus of this specific podcast that we're doing with you is about fashion and your entry into it and how that landscape along with media has changed. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to kick off with like, take us back, back in time. Okay. When kind of, I would say print was king and blogging was this very kind of new thing. Mm. Why were you in the headspace of like, yeah, I want to try this new thing that I've seen a few people do? I was pregnant with my second daughter and I had, I was on maternity leave. I used to be a midwife, so completely like different from fashion. And yeah, I just wanted some sort of creative outlet. And this new thing, blogging, had come up and it looked like perfect, perfect for me because I had absolutely no qualifications or training in the fashion world. But I've always, always been into fashion and I've been quite sort of out there with my fashion choices and very, very eclectic. I'd like to try different things, but I was always the girl with like the purple trainers or the bright 
yellow puffer jacket and that you could see walking yeah, down the road unexpected yeah just you know I just like yeah I didn't kind of fade into the background I really enjoyed fashion I liked having fun with it so I thought that this blogging was just a really lovely sort of yeah way to kind of flex that muscle a little bit more and I enjoyed it a lot. I started off with maternity wear because I was pregnant. And then it sort of just evolved with whatever's happening with me in my life at, at that time. And people really enjoyed it. So it has just grown from there very slowly. I wouldn't say, you know, that it was like I started it straight away and then I had like thousands of people coming. No, it wasn't like that. It was, mm-hmm. it was quite a slow sort of burner. But yeah, I really, I really loved it. I, I definitely got a lot out of it. Amazing. And did it feel kind of counterculture at the time? Like I think when I think back, because obviously I've come from a print background and I I remember kind of blogging and being quite excited about it, but I definitely felt like in print at the time, it was kind of like, who who are these people? What are they doing? Did it feel (laughs) different? Or was there actually like a lovely community within bloggers where you were all supporting each other because it was kind of like early digital media? Like how did it feel? Because I hadn't come from a print perspective or background, it didn't feel to me like it was counter... What word did you use? Counterculture. Counterculture. Yeah, it just felt like something new that was exciting, but I didn't realise how big it was going to get and where it was going to go and how it was going to evolve. I've literally just rolled with it, but I definitely wasn't predicting that it was you know, going to take over and magazines were going to start to close and and blogging and Instagram was going to take over. I didn't foresee that. But yeah, I probably should have if I stopped to think about it. So it went from you, you were saying, you know, you're on maternity leave. It was kind of like this wonderful creative outlet, this hobby almost. When did you get to sort of start thinking in your mind, actually, is this a business? You know, I think personal brand is a word everyone uses now. But when did you even start thinking like, oh, I think it's getting some interest. You know, like you said, a couple of people a day is turning to a couple of hundreds a day. Like, how do I, you know, convert this into a business? I could definitely see some potential within the first couple of years of blogging. Okay. Yeah, I could I could actually probably even before that I could I could see that there was potential there but it was still really difficult to make money in the early days. Mm-hmm. I think it took me a good probably four to five years to really start to see brands getting on board and actually putting some money behind it because before that brands were really excited by it and they were definitely interested but it was very much on a sort of gifting basis yeah there was lots of that and you know reaching out to companies and I remember being absolutely ecstatic about getting a new dress or a (laughs) new pair of shoes and that was to me that was like my currency at that time and it just meant that I was saving money on like shopping so that that was perfect (laughs) Um, and and then you sort of start to see actually you know what, these brands are getting a lot out of it. Yeah, they get all this free content, they get all this free promotion, 
and you know brands obviously know what they're doing as well and I think it just starts it slowly just starts to dawn on you that maybe I should be charging some money for this and I think I definitely undervalued myself when I started and for a very long time I think I only really started to make a decent kind of living out of it when I got my agents on board who have absolutely pro you know they're pros at negotiating they're pros at knowing a person's worth which is it's quite difficult mm-hmm. to do for yourself I think mm-hmm. um so that was about three years ago when that started taking off for me amazing and you know we've talked about the, the digital change but obviously like fashion has changed so much as well and I just wonder kind of as you look at that change in terms of you know I think the conversations opened up so much you know I think Jennifer and I were were talking about one of my favorite movies is the September issue and I think it's I think it's really great but to me it's definitely like an an older version of fashion that was very like you know we're the kind of gatekeepers this is the door yeah you know you have to look a certain way and be a certain way to get in and now you know you have magazine covers with some amazing women different shapes and sizes and wonderful kind of conversations about like you know diversity and everything like that and I think it's really great but as you've seen that evolve because I also think as well that bloggers had quite a bit to play in that it started to be you know like you didn't have to be just this one size to love fashion so as you've watched that whole change happen how have you felt about it all? I think you're completely right. I think blogging and social media has had a huge effect on diversifying and making fashion a lot more inclusive. And Mm -hmm. that has been a real uphill battle, I think. And, you know, people who are, you know, in the fashion business and who are professionals, I think have found that a real struggle as well to um, allow space Mm -hmm. for other people to join the conversation but you know as you say there there was that kind of gatekeeper aspect to it and definitely an exclusivity and hierarchy aspect to fashion whereas now with blogging and social media it feels much more from the bottom up rather than from the top down and I think that's beautiful and I think it's opened my eyes to things that you know fat phobia and you know diversity in terms of race and age and it's just wonderful how much it's opened up the doors and allowed so many other voices to be heard in the space because I think that's incredibly important and if it didn't start to evolve that way then it would have started to die and I think we see things like fashion week and you know catwalks and stuff really having to change how it's done because it can't be done like it's always been done anymore and there's much wider angle and the focus is not so narrow anymore which is beautiful to see I think um, when we see people like Tess Holiday on the cover of um, magazines and it's just it just fills my heart it's like joy because you know so many little girls are looking and watching social mm-hmm. media and looking at magazines and 
they need to see role models that look like them. They need to see a wide range of, of people involved in that fashion industry and just in, in life in general. And I think that's what's beautiful about it. It's, it's definitely been a slow burner, but the momentum is really, really catching and gaining pace now. So that's wonderful to see. Amazing. And I, do you think, as I was just thinking as you were talking there, that it will lead to kind of more innovation in a way? I think, I think there's so many kind of discussions about, like, is it really beneficial to have more people at the table? But from what you're saying, it seems like it is. And I just wonder if it, you know, like, do you think we'll end up seeing, like, amazing fabrics that we've never seen from different parts of the world because of media or these influences in different places that we've never seen before? I think from what I get from what you're saying, is it, it might even lead to a kind of richer industry in a way. Oh, absolutely. I think if you look at businesses in general, you know, research shows that the more inclusive your business is, the more successful your business is. And I think that is just apparent in all areas of life. I think, yeah, the more inclusive it can be, then the richer and it just shows that, yeah, loads more is open to us and loads more is on the table and loads more can be discovered and and it's exciting it's a really exciting space to be in amazing and talking of discovery I was looking at at your site and one of the most recent posts you did was about kind of black owned businesses and I think something that we've seen a lot recently and again this is because you know you can put together a google doc now and put it on twitter and and you know tag it to the top of your feed and people can see it but I'm interested in 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 terms of why you wanted to do that post in terms of like discovery and and getting the word out about more amazing designers and artists like what was the impetus for you to write that post just to shine a light on people who are often overlooked and for sure black businesses have found it really difficult to get investment have definitely found it incredibly difficult to start businesses up much more so than their white counterparts and I just think it's it's important that we don't let the momentum of Black Lives Matter die down too much and go back to what it was like before and I think that it's just incredibly important to shine a voice on those who have been overlooked for far too long. Amazing. And to talking of businesses and running your own business, you know, we talked about your switch to, to doing it full time and getting an agency in terms of just even there, what you were saying, you know, investment in business or, or you know, I'm really interested in kind of women and money. Like what's been your process in, in saying, OK, actually, I'm a businesswoman and I run this brand and the brand is Starmy Sunday and this is, you know, how it's built. Like, how have you made that shift? Has there been a bit of I don't even want to say imposter syndrome, because I think sometimes actually we might not have the imposter syndrome, it's kind of put on us because it's like, oh, it's very terrifying because you're a woman, you might not know how to do it. So I'm interested in how you've kind of owned the business side of building your brand. Yeah, that's a really good question. It's definitely been a slow burner. I think money definitely does come with a certain amount of power. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the more money you make, the more you start to believe in yourself and say, oh, actually, yeah, this is a business and I have got a brand. And, you know, sometimes it goes the other way. So sometimes you start making the money before you realise you've actually got a business and a brand. It certainly did happen that way with me. 
And then, you know, I've got an accountant, I've got an assistant and I've got an agent. So I've definitely mm-hmm. got a business. Um, but, yeah. for, but, but for so long, I just, I just didn't really value myself as a businesswoman. And then, you know, you get asked to do interviews like this and, and you get requests to do you know, talks and lots of different things. And slowly, 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 you kind of start catching up and going, oh yeah, you know what? I'm actually a really fucking successful business person. Um, why am I not yeah. giving myself the credit that I should be? And I think, you know, it just slowly starts to twig and you start to value yourself like that more. And for me, that has definitely, there's definitely been a huge shift in my mentality and mm-hmm. actually, you know, seeing myself as a business person. Because also, I think blogging and social media has has been undervalued. I think it still is in terms of business acumen. And I think, you know, what I, I was reading some comments online on, on a website the other day which I really shouldn't have done that just said they're sick of these influencers thinking that they have a job and run a business and I and I was thinking about it and I was thinking you know what I don't need to justify myself to you I don't need to prove myself to you you know the money in the bank is already is all the proof that I need so if you want to try love that (laughs) (laughs) if you you want to try and you know take me down or or make me feel less than that's on you that's not on me and Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let that penetrate me because I'm doing all right and that's all I need to know yeah I love that (laughs) let the money speak for itself exactly um Uh, I do kind of want to say on the money question because I'm interested as you were saying you know you do events and and one that I noticed you had done recently was for a kind of mortgage lender and it was about freelancers and money and budgeting and you know being really aware of your money and I think that those are sorts of conversations that people like to stay away from and even just you saying just then you know like the money in my bank is what matters and I think we're seeing you know like a lot of influencers kind of say this sort of thing as well and 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 talk about money much more which I think are conversations that need to happen so I'm interested in like you know when you were asked to do that kind of why you were quite interested in in speaking about that that topic and then the sort of feedback you got on on some of your tips around kind of money and having it as a big part of your life and having those money conversations yeah I'm very interested in changing the whole narrative around how we speak about money I think there's definitely that kind of vulgar aspect to talking about earning money and I think women especially tend to shy away from talking about money and how much they earn and and I believe that that has definitely held us back in terms of earning potential and and power Mm. I think if we don't speak about money openly then how are we able to assess whether we should be getting paid the right amount of money how is anyone able to decide on what they should you know be charging and stuff I think it's really important to not be embarrassed about money conversations Mm. and you know, obviously, I'm often tied by contracts. You know, I can't often say exactly how much money I'm making. 
but you know I did a workshop the other day and I was teaching people how to know their worth and how to negotiate Mm -hmm. and and in that I was very open in saying how much money I earn and I'm very comfortable with talking about money situations so the mortgage panel was a really good one for me because as a freelance mortgage is one of the things that's incredibly important because it's so difficult to get a mortgage as a freelancer Mm. and you know they you know you have to show three years worth of money Mm -hmm. but a lot of banks will will not touch you and and that's really difficult so having a husband who had a much more regular income was very beneficial but I want to try and get away from having to rely on somebody else just because I'm a freelancer. So banks and mortgage companies really need to start looking at their bias in terms of a wage, you know, a wage income and freelancers. Yeah. And I think in a way that might be something that comes out of the pandemic as, you know, people's situations change. And, you know, if we're, if we're working from home or, or whatever, it's, it's, you know, like work isn't going to look the same. And so to have these quite archaic, like you said, you know, well, if you've got a job, you only have to show me three months of payslips. But if you're freelance, you have to give me, you know, three years or something. And I think obviously a lot of that is, you know, so that the bank feels safe, but, you know, built your own business and it's actually thriving. <laughs> why can't they take that as like okay actually year on year she's you know improved how much she's made so I think that this is a safe bet or even just to have you at the table to initially have that conversation I think that's where some of them are um, falling short as well they just like you said they won't even initiate that conversation exactly and that's where the kind of more innovative mortgage companies who are coming now are starting to realize hold on there's a whole section of people who we can tap into yeah. and we can actually give mortgages to and make money from. Yeah. So why aren't we doing it? I love that. And just one last thing on pay. I mean, one of the things that has come up with the Black Lives Matter conversation that I think feels a bit newer is 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 a conversation about influencers and pay. And I think, again, because influencers felt like a very new industry, it wasn't included in the whole general kind of race pay gap conversation and now as it's you know kind of grown us into a bigger industry it is and so I'm interested in more your perception of how that's now a conversation starter like have you been excited to see that discussion unfold and people take one influencers more seriously and then two the race pay gap within that I'm always interested in people to be more open and honest about pay and it's it's definitely much more interesting because yeah it's just nice to know how much other people are getting paid and then being able to you know adapt your fees knowing what that information so the more open we can be about that definitely the better I think it's so difficult to know whether there is a discrepancy between race and whether people are getting paid different much because we just have absolutely no idea what anyone's getting paid there's no industry standard yeah there's no like glass door for influence <laughs> no exactly no one's allowed to like divulge how much they are getting paid if you sign a contract but you know behind the scenes I will definitely have conversations with my friends of lots of different races and I would 
be quite bold and just ask them how much are you getting paid you know mm. and I think it's just really interesting and I have certainly seen some discrepancy with different people getting paid different different fees and I don't like it at all and I think companies should really be held accountable for that and be much more open and honest um whenever I've done events and have employed speakers to be at my events I'm completely open and in the you know opening email I'll say exactly how much they're getting paid and that they're getting paid exactly the same as every other speaker on that day Mm. um and I think that's important yeah definitely yeah and I think as well I mean it might end up taking time you know like I was saying from kind of magazines and print like there was that same that whole thing there was this kind of you know, like, don't tell anyone, don't really talk about it. And then increasingly, you know, you see companies like a glass door, someone posts something on LinkedIn, and then slowly, slowly, it starts to build or in tech, we've seen like a few people at some of the top mm. tech places, they actually, there's this pay discrepancy. And I think now, it's becoming much more a bigger conversation. And I think maybe just because the kind of world of influence is still so new, it, you know, it hadn't happened so much yet. But now I think that the conversation started, yeah. people will still start investigating and feel a bit more confident in speaking out. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I think, yeah, anything like that, that the the light can be shone on. I think it's just important to definitely highlight it. And um, also, you know, people of colour have always been made to feel like they should be grateful for having a seat at the table. And so therefore, sometimes, you know, we haven't asked for enough and we haven't negotiated hard because it sometimes feels like your position is you should be so grateful Mm. for actually having been asked in the first place Mm -hmm. so then you don't you don't realize that actually no you belong to be there just as much as anyone else that your position just feels it doesn't feel as cemented as everyone else so therefore they can get away with paying you less and and that's really shit yeah yeah absolutely definitely there's there's definitely a part of like oh I'm so lucky and it's like no no one's doing you a favor if they've hired you it's because you were good for the job so like ask for your worth exactly yeah exactly but that takes that takes a while you know it takes the world to realize that yeah yeah definitely I had a friend that I worked with and and and, uh, she found out that someone else had got a pay rise and she asked a boss and the boss was like well it's just because you didn't ask for it and she did and it's like that simple exactly but you'd be like no there's no way but it's like that's literally how simple it was wow yeah that's a really good example yeah it was really interesting okay and then so future we've gone through kind of what the past looked like what the present looks like future you know you said you could never have imagined the rise of Instagram and 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 that whole thing and now you know you've got snap you've got tiktok there's so many competitors the digital landscape looks I mean basically there's a new one each week to try and keep up with I bet I've just about figured tiktok (laughs) out and I'm just like oh gosh um what what are what are your kind of thoughts about about this this digital future is it are you trying to keep up are you excited are you seeing possibilities like what do you think about it you know what I find it really difficult to think about the future I'm quite an in the moment kind of person and I just don't seem to have that kind of foresight to be able to predict like predict where things are gonna go and I kind of just roll with the punches Mm. and yeah I think 
there, there, there's definitely is new apps and new platforms coming out all the time and sometimes I flirt with the idea of getting involved and and I guess it depends on how how much I enjoy it how much I like it how easy it is to do for me mm-hmm. but, and yeah I've, I've had a go on TikTok and I quite like it because I like dancing anyway so that's quite <laughs> an easy one for me but <laughs> it's not something it's not it's definitely not something that I'm ready to like use as my main sort of platform and and like completely cancel Instagram and start using TikTok <laughs> just because everyone seems to be on it and especially all the young people are on it like all the time now mm-hmm. yeah it's hard I, don't, I just don't know I don't know where we're gonna go and I don't know what's gonna happen but I'm here for it and I'm ready and waiting and and if I like it I'll get involved if I don't like it I'll just leave it amazing and then just if you know since we are talking about the 2020 decade and and I know that you're a a mother as well like how are you feeling once we get over this kind of crappy bit (laughs) how are you feeling about the 2020 decade are you kind of excited I think for me like having watched you know like the Black Lives Matter movement be so strong has been really inspiring then obviously there's you know conversations about the sort of world that we want I, I do feel hopeful about the 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 next one's coming up and I guess you're kind of you gave birth to them so <laughs> are you are you excited? <laughs> I am incredibly excited about the world that they're living in and are going to be a part of even more so in the future. I think there's also a lot that scares me about the future as well. You know, when I was at school, I didn't have social media around and I'm worried about that. I'm different. You know, my eldest is going to secondary school in September and I'm scared about the whole social media and school and kids and bullying and all of that is a very big concern for me. But you know what I'm I just need to educate myself and try and and try and educate them as best as I can and just teach them about the fundamentals of being a decent human being and what that's about because ultimately a lot of it applies but it's just it's just done in a different way now yeah so a bit of both I'm a bit apprehensive and really excited I think in terms of the movements like Black Lives Matter and everything being much more inclusive now, that's definitely encouraging. I don't think it's going to eradicate everything. I think I've got two girls. I think they'll definitely still struggle with identity and misogyny and living in a world that doesn't value them without it being a main focus on how they look. I think, yeah, it's definitely a double-edged sword. There's there's lots to be excited about, but there's also a lot that I'm worried about. But I think the main thing in terms of what's happening at the moment and the movements is it's about really focusing on myself and how I have been a part of things that I didn't really understand and I didn't acknowledge that there was lots going on that is now being highlighted and what part we have to play in 
that will. And I think by really looking at ourselves and being very honest and actually it can be quite painful sometimes in understanding the part we had to play in in certain sort of social norms and constructs and conditioning then we can help to uncertain things and we can also help to role model and pass down that new insight and enlightenment onto the next generation and onto my children yeah I definitely think as well that they were they were habits weren't they some of the things that we did and and it's like like you said it's some of the introspection is saying actually that habit wasn't really good and I did it just because everyone else did it and actually that habit doesn't really benefit a lot of people that I love or care about or, or whatever and so actually I just need to kind of create a new habit there. exactly sometimes it's really really difficult to own up to being part of the problem because we didn't know we were part of the problem but the beauty about what's happening right now um is opening our eyes and we're realizing no that's that behavior or the way we used to talk is just not acceptable anymore and and that's really beautiful to see happening and I'm here for it and I'm here for the learning I'm here for the pain and I'm here for the unlearning I love that I love that you're just leaning into that that's that's like the most kind of honest thing I've heard in a while so that's really nice I hope we have more people like you it's uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) it is I think it is I think no one wants to talk about that bit it's either like cancel culture this or like everything's terrifying and put your head in the sand but yeah there's like a lot of work to be done and actually what I think the younger generation is saying is like just let's start doing the work yeah dismantling or rebuilding or just even like actually that thing I said you know I, I didn't know better but I know better now and I'm not gonna you know use that terminology or or, exactly. or or hold my paycheck back and not tell you so that you know that you get you you ask for less in your job or whatever and you know I'm going to be more honest about those sorts of conversations yeah exactly one of the most important things that is highlighted for me is I'm not going to stay quiet anymore. I'm not going to be silent in hearing things that are really not okay. I'm going to speak up and I'm going to be noisy and I'm going to have, it, it kind of almost gives you encouragement and bravery, doesn't it? To actually say, no, you do not have to put up with this kind of shit. You can actually speak and have your voice heard and it doesn't mean that you're some hard-faced bitch because you've got an opinion about something and because you challenge someone I think that's one of the things that's really great especially for women they've realized that being silent serves no one and it doesn't make you demure or more feminine or more pretty (laughs) it only serves to keep you controlled and to restrict you and to stop you growing and evolving and now is your time to speak yes what what a place to end it I feel like we should just leave it there and just leave and just leave people with that thought yeah yeah that was beautiful oh thank you amazing thank you so much I loved it. It was such a good chat. That was really, really nice. Really good. Thank you for getting me to think. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. What an interesting insight into money Natalie provided, especially when we talk about the pay discrepancies between Black and non-Black influencers. 
it's so important for all of us to have these conversations. So I just want to give a quick shout out to the Instagram account Influencer Pay Gap, which was created by Adesua Ajayi in June to expose these disparities and encourage more transparency. Thanks again to Natalie Lee for taking part in today's episode. Please make sure to follow and support Style Me Sunday. Her details, along with links to what we've discussed, can be found in the show notes. And thanks again to everyone who tuned in. If you liked today's episode, then make sure to get involved in the conversation and follow us for more information on Instagram at Cork Studio. We'll be back with a new episode next week where we dive deep into the arts and culture sector. Until then, see you soon and stay blessed.